Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Amy Podcast. I'm Terry Baker. Today, we'll be talking about wireless technology in healthcare and maybe sharing a few tidbits about how your organization can be successful in its implementation of wireless technology. To discuss this important topic, we have Sean Jackman, founder and CEO of Clinical Mobility. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Terry. So, Sean, today's topic is wireless technology in healthcare. What are we really talking about? Are we focusing on those wireless bands set aside for medical equipment especially? Or are we also talking about maybe the impact of traditional IT, you know, the 2.4 gigahertz type uh, Wi-Fi bands as well? Yeah, you use the word or, you know, uh, I think if we change it to an and and we put, keep putting the word and in between each little thing that you list because it's amazing how many wireless technologies we're dealing with. And that spans from some of the traditional uses of wireless, even cagers. Right. Uh, cell phones are, you know, a part of this in different ways of, than Wi-Fi is probably the, the largest use of wireless in healthcare today. Of course, there's medical telemetry. You can argue that's been prevalent for a very long time, and that's in its own protected band, at least in the U.S., well, people will argue with protected, but that's another <laughs> conversation to itself. Sure. To Bluetooth, uh, real-time location systems, wireless display technologies. I mean, the list goes on and on, and it seems like it's increasing as the days continue. Well, I think you touched on it. You gave us a bit of a high-level overview of wireless technology, but how has it changed the delivery of healthcare? You know, when you look at the workflow of healthcare, the caregivers are highly mobile themselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, in the past, you know, they're moving from room to room, maybe even going between different apartments, responding to critical events, very time sensitive. One is we've improved the ability to communicate with each other as clinicians. Sure. So when a patient has, let's say, yeah, there's a code event, uh, to being able to communicate with the right caregivers at the right time quickly Wireless has enabled all of that. It started with pagers, but it's evolved into voice over Wi-Fi phones and now smartphones and even using cellular indoors in different ways. There's reasons why you would want to use some or the other. But uh, <laughs> So first is improving communication amongst clinicians. The other one is really about accessing data. Mm-hmm. All of this data we're putting into our electronic health records, these same clinicians that are moving from room to room, being able to have access to that data quickly while they're on the move, responding to real-time events, that's really powerful and has really influenced better outcomes. Uh, There's, of course, the patient-facing side of things where uh, guest access and being able to connect to the internet you know, we, we think about that as maybe not very impactful, but when you when patients are in for extended stays, traditionally they've been very isolated, and this has really allowed them to live a much more of a normal life, even while they're in an inpatient setting, maybe staying for a duration. But that also includes loved ones. As they come in, loved ones have a big influence on recovery times. Just a lot of studies have shown that. So having loved ones being able to, let's say, quote-unquote, work from home, they can go in to stay with patients and loved ones and also be connected. So wireless sure. has enabled all of that. That's a great point. You know, you kind of touched on it there. You know, we've seen ourselves less wired devices in our own home. I don't have a wired phone. I have a laptop that's wireless. So wires are going away inside our own home. How prevalent or rare is it to actually have wired technology in healthcare today? 
Yeah, in this kind of question, you know, I do hear a lot, and it's not because we don't have a lot of wired. Uh, of course, there is a lot of wired infrastructure, but I think it's really, you know, as you look forward to just exactly your experience in the home, and we're seeing this multiplied everywhere, we, you know, we're seeing devices that just don't have Ethernet ports on them anymore mm-hmm. or other kind of wired ports. You know, I like to use the joke of, boy, it takes a lot of uh, wired infrastructure to deploy a wireless network. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, I mean, gosh, um, you know, we're adding more and more access points. We tend, we tend to be denser sometimes. You know, a lot of folks sometimes do too dense. But, you know, you, you look over the wiring closet and see this big old bundle of, you know, unshielded twisted pair cable that goes out to all the access points. And it's a pretty big bundle of cable. So, you, sure. you wired is not going away. It serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue it's really relegated more and more so to the backbones of the networks and not the access layer. So by access layer, I mean how end-user devices are connecting to networks. So at, at your desk, if you have a laptop, a lot of folks are not even you know wiring in anymore. They're just staying connected to the wireless network. Our smartphones don't even have that option. Mm-hmm. Many of our new laptops don't have that option. And generally, you know, we don't really realize it because the speeds of Wi-Fi now have, have improved so much. I would argue that 11N really brought those speeds up to a, maybe that inflection point of where you don't really realize you're on wireless versus wired most of the time, if the network's designed right and sure. the device is working right as well. And it's just getting better with 811AC and soon 82.11AX, which is the next one we're going to be hearing. <laughs> as you start dropping all the uh, detailed uh you know, bands or, or uh, configurations yeah. of I'll Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. It uh, reminds me that, Sean, you're, you're the co-chair of the Amy Wireless Strategy Task Force. Could you tell us a little bit about that group and what it's trying to do? Yeah, it's a great group of people. Um, I would say a very passionate group that really we're, we're trying to provide education, guidance for healthcare organizations, and, and to develop standards for the use of wireless in healthcare settings. Wireless is to the surprise of, of some, a lot more complex than, than, than mm-hmm. they may have realized yeah. going into it. And just a lot of folks struggle with it to varying degrees. And there's a group of us that's been involved in a lot of different circles and part of the industry, and we see this, and it's, we're faced with it every day. We get asked by many other organizations that we're really trying to help move the bar, right, and to make healthcare a safer and more effective place to use wireless. Well, I remember years ago that... You know, we had a call, what's this new wireless LAN stuff these IT guys are rolling out, is now interacting with the wireless telemetry system, and they were just sure that that was a problem. And, um, you know, I actually have a background uh, and uh, understand how to use a spectrum analyzer, and we take the spectrum analyzer over to this, uh, the cardiac uh, station over there, and I'm like, guys, it can't be, you know, this wireless LAN is at 2.4 gigahertz, your telemetry is at about 608 megahertz, and it can't be, and we um, broke out the spectrum analyzer and saw that the the local TV station was the bigger problem, and uh, that was an interesting journey, and I know as... as oh, well. <laughs> yeah, well, Channel 37, yeah, yeah the yeah. Baylor incident is, of course, uh, very well known, but it's it, it was experienced in many other places. Sure, yeah. Uh, just for the audience, you know, this is the, also that same spectrum in that TV white space we hear about, and, you know, how we may use spectrum, and a lot of people still using that frequency band for wireless telemetry. Yeah, you're great experience. <laughs> it was, and, and so uh, this has been a long-running thing. I remember having to put you know like little spreadsheets together like this is on this frequency this is on this frequency and so it's only becoming more complex as, as you said we were trying to enable everything with wireless now to enable that mobility and just a, a more technologically dense environment in healthcare whoa, whoa, whoa. 
were you actually talking about you did spectrum management within your yes. within your organization? <laughs> that's a that's a foreign concept, right? You know, let 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 everybody do their own thing. Right? They can all put up their own wireless infrastructure. I'm guessing, of course. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, as a, a originally a radar tech, or at least part of my job while I was in the uh, Navy. I had a bit of experience with that, so I might have been on the forefront of that. So, you know, you recently wrote an article for Amy's Horizons magazine on wireless technology myths. What do you mean by myths? Could you give us an example? Yeah, I really wanted to, to title it, it's just wireless, right? <laughs> but, you know, I couldn't quite fit it. But Jim referred to it, you know, as we've had this conversation, it's it's amazing to me how many people feel that wireless is easy. And this is partly because we can all go down to our local electronics store, buy an access point, throw it at our home. Small home. One AP, what's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have a problem at the edges of my of my house and by the pool. I don't quite get it, but you know, then you start realizing when you add a second AP to a house, then people go, "Hey, hey, uh, hey, Sean, Terry, you guys know a little bit about wireless. Can you can you come over to my house and help me? Because right? mm-hmm. this is I'm not roaming, right? <laughs> you start experiencing all these problems. Well, realize the hospital has hundreds of these things, sure. and then we have this little thing called compliance, uh-huh. right? And security—it uh-huh. just adds all this complexity. So, really, was dealing you know with the myth that uh, wireless is easy. It really trying to illustrate. I, I wanted a body of work to be able to point to, or for a bunch of us as professionals can point to, to try to give in as layman's point of view as possible of how complex it is, and especially when you contrast it to a wired network, it's vastly more complex. And really, that was the point of it. There was another little side piece of it where there was a, a big summit by the FDA and the FCC wireless te- regarding wireless test beds, mm-hmm. very healthcare-focused type of group. We had to put a position statement out on behalf of WSTF, you know, the, the task force, if you will. Okay. But it really, you know, I'd say first and foremost is very focused on the myths around wireless being too easy. That's a great point. I kind of joke about that sometimes. They th- everybody thinks they're because their nephew comes over and set up sets up their Linksys router that he's a yeah. genius IT guy. Uh, So what's the biggest mistake hospitals make in introducing and implementing wireless technology? Not appreciating the complexity. Sure. You know, we've all been around, you know, we see these wireless devices, the infrastructure devices, they'll they'll have major networking company logos on them. Mm -hmm. And we think, you know, we could take take your guy or gal in the IT department that deals with the wired stuff and hey, it's same logo. You could do this wireless thing, right? Right. Um, and then they realize and often get very expensive lessons of how um, of how hard it is. So it, it's really not appreciating that complexity and tre- and treating it accordingly. Right. So if you plan and prepare, and, and it, it, so many aspects are involved in a wireless infrastructure design is compared to wired and or they're accentuated more i mean your, your client devices with wi-fi and then i'll talk and i am focused a little bit more on wi-fi because it's the heaviest it's 800 pound gorilla in, right. in healthcare in terms of use of wireless your client devices make so much of that decision on, on of where and when to roam and what channels are supported what security modes there's a lot more complexity and use of security of wireless than there is in wired. Oftentimes wired, you don't even really employ security, uh, but it's really important for wireless. Um, you have this little thing called RF, as we've been talking about, and interference and how the radios are designed. You can get into application protocols where something may use multicast or mm-hmm. 
QoS. I mean, there's a lot of lot more things that are highly accentuated, or or actually, you know, a, a whole other factor that's not included in the wired network. You know, those are some great points. What should healthcare technology management professionals be doing to educate themselves about wireless technology? It's a good question, and one I get asked a lot. You know, there is curriculum out there. It's not. It's not as prevalent. In fact, there's a group of us that are talking about, you know, trying to trying to fix that and to provide you know better education because it's you look at the users who intersect with wireless. It's not just your IT professionals, your your clinical technologists, biomed folks. Uh, they're dealing with wireless all day long. And in fact, those two groups in general in healthcare are starting to you know oftentimes evolve to being on the same team which really haven't been that way before. But in terms of where to get wireless training, I always recommend a combination of vendor-specific. So if you employ, you know, a vendor X network, go through their training, um, or at least have, you know, one or two people in your organization go through that. You'll appreciate, you know, the, the details, and it will be better armed to support it. That helps you understand that vendor's implementation of it. But in addition to the vendor-specific, I always recommend vendor-neutral. Okay. Uh, vendor-neutral will open up your eyes to how, a different appro- how vendors take different approaches to using wireless in different ways. Mm-hmm. You'll learn about many different types of wireless technologies, which is also just as important because your job you know, in healthcare, uh, I've been on the manufacturer side, I've been on, on the integrator side, where you're doing designs for people, I've been on the customer side where I've managed, I was in charge of managing the wireless network for a large healthcare organization. And your job, you know, when you're running a healthcare network, you're inundated with, you know, Zigbee this, Bluetooth low energy that, well, how's that different from Bluetooth classic? Well, then there's, you know, cellular bands. It just, it's nonstop. Wow. And people are out buying these things. So having a combination of the vendor neutral in addition to the vendor specific is great. And one organization I'd like to plug is, uh, and there's no conflict of interest, by the way, but okay. it's the CWNP, uh, Certified Wireless Network Professionals, is, is what it used to stand for. But CWNP.com is a good um, organization uh, for vendor neutral. Very cool. So, you know, you just talked about the need for all that training because of all these various frequencies and flavors of frequencies or technologies that use the various frequencies. You know, we're seeing a lot more articles and notices about wireless interference. The FDA, in fact, recently sent out a bulletin that stressed the need for risk management to achieve effective wireless coexistence for medical devices and systems. You know, what are the problems you've seen with wireless interference and how can healthcare facilities best address the challenge? Is that sort of that spectrum management we kind of touched on there for a minute? Yeah, there's a lot of words. It's, you know, it's a very, um, very official kind of statement. We're talking about the words coexistence. What does that mean? <laughs> that can be interpreted several different ways. And obviously, like to keep it simple. Right. It's if you're in a car and you're listening to a radio station, you can't broadcast another radio station on the same frequency. And, I mean, mm-hmm. that's common sense. Right. But we tend to do this all the darn time in, in healthcare. Or, you know, there's an incumbent system that, well, that was put in years ago. But we bought this mm-hmm. new thing that's going to do something totally different, maybe temperature monitoring. And by the way, it's it's now interfering with this legacy voice network that we've had in the building. And gosh, now we have a problem. Managing spectrum, it's like managing, you know, real estate or any other asset you have. I mean, it, we can't physically see it, but it's there. It's, mm-hmm. it's right. the physical layer along with all of with upon which all of these systems operate. There's not a lot of methodologies out there that really go into how to do this, but 
at some level, I mean, you gave your example of your your wireless medical telemetry story and and how it interfered with the local radio, uh, local TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's that you know, so you you know the start and stop frequency, you know, six oh eight to I think six fourteen mm-hmm. in that that range, and your your system is then configured to use what part of that? You know, whether it's all of it or part of it. Create a spreadsheet. Start logging what these systems are, what facilities they're deployed in. I would recommend some other details around how many devices, what was the transmit power that these systems are operating at, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, at least just that basic info sure. helps a lot. So when something comes in, maybe it's you've, you know, that this is your job today, but two years from now you've taken a promotion or, you know, otherwise, and now somebody else is left with this. Maybe they're even less technical. Having that stuff documented. So when something comes in that may be new, it helps them understand what the impact is sure. of putting in a new system. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that's a great point, and I'm proud of myself. I was a little ahead of the curve there. You were absolutely ahead of the curve. I think it was one of the great things there was we had a nice, tight working relationship between IAS and the um, healthcare technology management for professionals. Therefore, I had visibility to the, you know, they weren't silos. And so we all knew we had these wireless technologies coming in. And I think that really keeping those communication yeah. between the groups. And so, Unfortunately, I see the opposite in many organization and it's tr- organizations, and it's pretty unfortunate. You know, I, I don't see a lot of Christmas cards being sent between the two teams. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd like to see a lot more of it. I yeah. think it's needed. Yes, me too. Final question. If you could provide only three tips on what hospitals must do to achieve wireless success, what would those three tips be? Well, that's a big one. Let's start with the infrastructure. And what I mean by infrastructure is just like when you deploy a wired network, you make darn sure your cable's good, right? I mean, you if you run a cable from your bunch of cable from one end to the other, and you have it tested, and you're not going to plug a bunch of stuff in there until that wire is good, right? Or anything you do from that point further, you're you're going to be a, a problem. You know, for for years and years to come. So you really have to get that infrastructure right. Mm-hmm. So that first tip really goes to deploy a solid RF infrastructure. And what I mean by that is having a good wireless survey done. And I hate that word survey. It's almost like a it's a solid RF design. Mm-hmm. It, and that means putting APs where they need to be, and not using this paper-based method where I think like you know I I just going to stick one there. I'm going to stick one there. Measure I and mean, have it done scientifically where somebody's measuring the propagation out and ensuring they know where the cell edge ends, like a cell tower. You know, you, you find out where that is, and so that tells you where to put the next cell tower. Okay. APs are no different. And you have to have a good professional where they understand, you know, how to configure that radio when they're doing that measurement and, and what type of client adapter to use. Now, there's a lot of, you know, ways you can get tripped up here. So I, I wouldn't recommend necessarily doing it yourself unless you've done it a lot. I'd recommend getting a qualified vendor that has a lot of endorsements and references because everything is predicated on that. Right. The, so the next two pieces is you want a three. <laughs> I'll keep it to three. Is <laughs> I would say end user devices. Okay. End user devices. Uh, you really have to understand them. Not all radios and and all wireless devices are created equal. It's much like cell phones, where maybe you had signal from the. Let's say you just upgraded a, a cell phone. You're the same carrier, same everything but you just upgraded your device. And all of a sudden, hmm, I'm not getting reception here like I used to. I used to have you know, good voice calls, now I'm dropping. And that's just one example. We've all experienced that in different ways. It's way more sporadic, actually, when, with Wi-Fi devices. Some devices only support one frequency band. 
but maybe your primary focus is on 5 gigahertz, but a whole bunch of devices are out there at 2.4. I mean, you really, truly have to understand your devices and understand that they make a lot of the decisions that manifest to performance problems. So we all focus on infrastructure and putting in the right software versions on there, the right, you know, flipping the right nerd knobs. <laughs> Do the same thing on your client devices. Right. Put the right for it. Make sure you have good, solid drivers on there. Actually test them <laughs> against yeah. the infrastructure. Uh, and be careful about the settings there and keep it consistent everywhere. And the last point, I would say is, I'd say employing a risk management methodology. There's IEC 8001 that that Amy has done incredible uh, work to promote and support and endorse. There's a lot of detail there. It's a very complex framework. It's very thorough. I absolutely recommend it. But you know, understand it enough to employ the the basic components at the very least which is effectively a risk management process of plan and prepare in advance of a deployment. And it goes through a bunch of structured methods of how to do that. But don't just deploy stuff. Actually test it in advance. Yes, it takes work. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're in this industry called healthcare. And what, what do we preach? Preventative care. Sure. It, it's a lot cheaper than treating problems later. Sure. Well, very good. I appreciate uh, the various insights throughout the uh, show as well as the uh, specific uh, three tips there. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Anytime, Terry. I appreciate all the work you're doing out there for the industry as well, so keep it up. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. And we'd like to thank you, our listener, for joining us for this episode of the Amy Podcast. To find more resources about wireless technology and healthcare and much more, please stop by amy.org. That's A-A-M-I dot O-R-G. For this episode of the Amy Podcast, I'm Terry Baker.